My name is Andrew Vanden Heuvel, and I'm presenting actually with my brother Ryan, who's kindly parking the car for us. Um, and we're excited to do like a show and share, which we really mean. So I hope you came with some stuff to talk about too, because we are going to ask you to share some thoughts and even wait silently and awkwardly for you to share. Um, but we do um, also have some things to show you to help kind of like spark and all that. But um, the first thing I just wanted to, so, so the, the pitch here basically is that um, there is something that we could call authentic learning. And I think we would all agree that um, that probably means different things to each of us. Yeah, so the first thing we'd like to, I'd like to just offer up to you is just like what does authentic or what could authentic learning mean to you? And that will probably look different depending on your situation. So I'd like you to just think for a minute about that. Like what does authentic learning mean to you? And then so let's just think about that for a second. And I will set a timer, an awkward timer, for 20 seconds. What does it mean to you? And then I'm going to ask you to talk about it with someone next to you. What does authentic learning mean to you? chat with someone next to you for a few, like one minute. What is that? Maybe introduce yourself first. <laughs> Hi, my name is. I teach tennis. Content specific area or across all of them, and so 
as Ryan and I were talking about this, um, we thought, what is like, what is a universe? Like, how can you even define authenticity? And so, what we're, what we're going to propose is that we can't really. But what we can do is say, here's the simplest model you can imagine: a hierarchy of authenticity. It's possible to say there are things that have low authenticity, and there are things that have high authenticity. And we want to move upward on this thing. And depending on context, just to like feed, again, this whole, the whole first half of our time together, um, so for the next 20 minutes or so, we're just going to try to like, just get your neurons firing and excited about different ideas and things. And then for us to brainstorm for the second half. But just to kind of plant some of those seeds, perhaps... Moving up this hierarchy for you means moving towards a more authentic audience for your students and their work. So it's not just being produced for you in your classroom, but it's being produced for your parents or the, the school community or the larger community or the world. Perhaps if you're in a different context, it's the students are addressing more authentic problems. They're not just addressing these, uh, what would you say, like kind of contrived problems that you find in textbooks or whatever. Um, and uh, I'm a. S- oh, Ryan added one. Yeah, I did. I did. I was going to tell you. That's in purpose. And again, this is where students may ask, why are we learning this? What's the value? To give this essence of purpose. Like, this is why we're here. Especially in a Christian education. I find there's no greater purpose to say we're here to be unique people in a unique world, to be able to have what we learn and the urgency of now to mean where we can be able to fulfill our calling in God's kingdom. And by doing so, it gives us purpose. So from math, to science, to ELA, to even more of the specialty learnings, we have purpose now because we get to use these gifts that we're learning to advance God's kingdom. So the, the uh, authenticity of purpose. And I'm coming to this from a science perspective. I'm a science teacher um, by background, and so... I get excited about finding more authentic data for students to use, so we're not just using the little special setups that are made exactly for a middle school science classroom, but we're like using the same data that NASA scientists are using, because we can make sense out of it uh, at the appropriate level as well. So what we'd like to do is share with you um, just a bunch of cool examples from a bunch of different content areas. Can I just ask, like, like, okay, if we were saying, like, who's K-5? All right, sweet, and who's middle, and who's high school? Okay, cool. So I have to, like, this is my big apology, because Ryan and I are both coming from a high school perspective. Mm-hmm. But um, the examples, at least the first example we're showing you is a middle, or one of the examples would be a middle school, and what I'm excited about is that our discussion time, we can be all brainstorming together and think about examples that are appropriate for younger grade levels and all that kind of stuff. Cool. All right, so hopefully this is, when you see these examples, don't think like, well, this is something I could never do with my students. This is meant to be inspiration, all right? Um, okay, math. I'm super excited about this. I live in Grand Haven. Last year, I had a chance to work with um, the math teacher there and just kind of try to think of what are some things we could do that would just be a little outside the box, a little more fun, uh, a little more authentic. And so we landed on a topic that was coming up, which was simple graphing. It was like, I have a table of numbers. How do I graph X and Y? On, on a simple coordinate axis. You think about how, like, this is the bottom of our hierarchy, okay? This is like the, the baseline of authentic learning would be, you know, let's find a nice worksheet where the students can practice and where does this go? And maybe even I could get kind of fun and they'll graph a connect the dots shape. That's cool, right? You know? And there's nothing wrong with this. And this has to put to learn how to do it in the classroom. Um, but not necessarily very authentic. So as the teacher and I were talking together, we kind of landed on this idea of GPS and latitude and longitude and how those are numbers, and there's two of them, and they get graphed on a coordinate plane, which is the, the Earth. Yeah. And not only that, but we have access to that on every cell phone. You can download free apps that give you latitude and longitude. So I happen to have a background in some of this stuff, and I like it and find it interesting. So then I, I, I remembered that... Um, so, so the first idea, I thought, okay, we're moving up the hierarchy now, right? So the next step is, huh, what could we graph using GPS? Maybe we could graph things around our school. We could go find all the trees. We could go find, you know, whatever you want. Everyone maps their home or something like that. So now we're pushing, let's keep moving up 
the next level up was I pulled back from my own personal interest in memory banks, just like you would pull from your own personal interest, that municipalities, local cities and townships need to map things. And um, you might not know this, but everything in a municipality is mapped from the roads to the boundaries of uh, buildings to the street signs, the water mains, everything is on the city maps. It's called GIS, Geographic Information Systems. So I called up my city. I was like, Grand Haven, hey, here's a crazy question for you. Do you guys need anything mapped? And he's like, well, let me put you in touch with our road, dude. Talk to him. Hey, do you need anything mapped? Yes. Oh, yes. We're thinking about hiring high school students to go out and map things all summer long. We need our street signs mapped. We need our water valves mapped in front of every single home has a water valve in front of it where it can be shot off by the city. What would, how would you feel if we went out and mapped those as a school project and uploaded the data and shared it? That would be great. Would you be willing to come to our school and tell the kids why you need this stuff mapped? Sure, but then you need me there. So all of a sudden, our authenticity just jumped up a whole other level. My next phone call was to the newspaper. Hey, guess what? The city is coming to our school, and we're doing this cool project. You guys want to come and take pictures of it? And they're like, yes, we'd love to. So all of a sudden, not only are we doing something cool that's engaging the, a real need, but we're sharing that with our community, and of course, benefiting our school a little bit with some nice um, promotion. So this is what happened. Here's the guy, came from the city, was sharing with the students. First day, we learned how to use their Jeep. We did a three-day project. First day, the students learned how to use their phone, practicing with just a few spots outside. Um, second day, he comes, and we uh, learn a little bit about some of the mapping that the city does. And we go out and we collect data. Um, see, I think, uh, yeah. Here's a, the, the, the newspaper came, wrote up a nice little story. There's kids out doing the fire hydrants. Again, this is meant to be kind of just inspirational as possible. And, and the tech was super simple. I, ha I made a Google form for the students. Type in your numbers right here on a Google form. As they were putting it in, that populated. I left this right up on the screen for the students. So the students, as they came in and out, could see all the data showing up with latitude and longitude, what exactly it was. And then for me, it was a matter of uploading that data in one fell swoop up to a map. And here was the finished product with you know, street signs and fire hydrants and all the pieces right there. Super cool. And then there it goes, it goes off to, this is my email to the guy from the city showing them, um, providing him with the data, kind of closing the loop. So in this case, it was a more authentic problem. It was a math class, but a truly, I think this was for me an example of like, wow, that's a real problem and where math is a real solution. Um, yeah, lots of cool things. I love, I love. Anyway. Ryan's going to share an example from... Yes, I have two examples from my American literature class. These are our 11th grade students, and we're looking at early Americana literature. And to make that relevant and to have this, like, why we didn't know this besides a quiz, besides a test, besides an exam, is often a question I get. So how do I engage with the text to have them think about real-world audiences and make it authentic? <laughs> So I consider this with an audience, and we can probably say for purpose as well, but I'm going to focus with audience for right now. So backstory here, you can feel free to read this. Um, I don't have the snappy pictures, I'm sorry. This happened last week. The students were studying uh, the Declaration of Independence by Thomas Jefferson. It is a great document looking at, to analyze it with literature, to look at parallelism, look at the language and persuasion in it, and for the students to be able to say, all right, this is the, the founding document for us. Besides learning about that, I, in the past, was like, really, there's nothing beyond it. Until I thought, I know the students are frustrated with things about our school. So I had them write their own declaration about what changes they want to propose to the school. Now, that's great for them to send it to me, because I, I can't do anything about it at all. So I invited the principal in. Uh, Jim Peterson, the principal of South Christian High School, Aaron Meckes, uh, also a principal as well, and then our dean of students, Mark and Steve. I scheduled time for them to come, and the students, while composing this in groups, were able to sit down in a conference room and make a presentation. And the big one, of course, was using phones during study hall. You may have been reading the research about how phones are really a detriment, and we need to help students make uh, kinder choices for themselves. But they write about, uh, in a manner that's similar to the Declaration of Independence, advocating for different grievances. And we talk through how do you try to persuade someone? 
How do you try to convey a message? How do you build to get change there? And I can tell you what was really exciting was the fact that when the students came back from their meeting, there was just such joy. Like, we got them, we got the, the principal to think about this, and we might make a change, we might do this. And they actually had this great buy-in for what the soft Christian can be for them. And it really went beyond, I want more breaks, I want better food, I want more time away from school. And it was more so thinking about Tests and quizzes and assessments should be alerted ahead of time. Having more meaningful time during our, our common time, uh, and then also that test be handed back within a week. Now that's some good protocols for the classroom, but they're thinking more so about what can make the school a better place. I get excited about that. The another one I did here, and this is where uh, the next unit, the next text we read in the same unit was Ben Franklin's Poor Richard's Almanac. We're going to, to read the aphorisms, these short, witty phrases express truth. For example, an apple a day, give the doctor away. a penny saved. We got that, absolutely. So in the past, I had the students write their own. And it was really fun. And again, I would read them, and they got the credit in the grade book, and that was it. But I was thinking, we could do more with this. So I had them create their own and have them make cards to send to people that need encouragement. And here's one that uh, a student wrote. Her pastor was leaving, and again, a new pastor, and his families were going through a lot of stress, were praying each morning for the transition. So she wrote this card to a couple. Uh, her aphorism, in the dark times of life, use your light to shine through. I thought that was cool. And she's reading just the bolded part here. Through the struggles our church is going through, know that you guys are a light to others. We appreciate all of your work and praying for peace and wisdom for the future. Now, I know that follow-through is an area I struggle with. So I had the students write a note in there, put an envelope, put on the address. I took it that hour, went right down to the office and said, please mail these today. And they did. They mailed them out. So the kids were like, oh, a little nervous here. I never done this before. But what a great opportunity to reach out. Now, I'm not going to hear if they get a response. I hope I do. But teaching about the, the value of caring for others, I think, is a great lesson through American literature. And this one, I just had a, a bit of a laugh. Uh, and it, the, the photo was a little poor, so I, I, it made the, the text bigger. Her aphorism is, sometimes bright pink is the prettiest color in the rainbow. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> and she writes, hey girl, what a great sort of card, right? Just want to let you know that you are beautiful the way you are. Your weird and spunky personality is so pretty. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, give me a Kleenex. I'm not crying. You're crying. And this is this really beautiful, this, uh, this, this all together. And that was just, that was wonderful. I know. <laughs> so, uh, the authenticity with, with audience and being mindful of how our work we can do matters now. And I still hit all my benchmarks. I still able to have the kids know what an aphorism is and know about the Declaration of Independence. But it matters because it gives them purpose now. Now, I teach a speech class also with juniors. And uh, in the past, I've had them give many types of speeches, and it was all presented to me. And I thought, I want them to do something meaningful. So I have them with their persuasive, as a persuasive speech to persuade what nonprofit we should volunteer at. Now, the volunteering the answer service is, is a fringe benefit. The focus is learning about persuasion and how to persuade an audience. And the students will have to research different nonprofits and argue why this one, the class would vote. I had one student who presented a speech on Hugs Ranch. And she talked about you get outside, you get dirty, you go to school, you work with horses, and there's a really wonderful purpose and mission this place has. And she volunteers at quite a bit. That one won. And what was beautiful about this is that it gives a sense of purpose. Uh, so, oh yeah, that's Sorry, Ryan. That's okay. Uh, it's just the person giving a speech here. Uh, so we, we, we went to Hugs Ranch, and I wish I captured a picture of the person's face who gave that speech. 
I've never seen her face shine so brightly. It's like, you're here. This is where I work. This is where I love to go. And the kids were wearing waiters, and they're shoveling poo and moving hay and painting pictures, or bringing boxes. Like, this is the greatest thing that they have ever done. Now, they're thinking, I get out of school, I'm working with my hands, I work with horses, that's awesome. But to me, it's like, this is purpose. And while we practice our persuasive speaking, they're learning the skills and the techniques. But they realize that they have that purpose now. And that's something that just gave me a lot of joy. Um, Ryan, you're such a great teacher. I know. You really are. Okay. I set an alarm so that we don't talk more than like 10 more minutes or 5 more minutes or so that we can all talk together. Um, it's mostly for Ryan so that it interrupts him when he's giving his next part. So I'm just going to throw a bunch of science ones out there because science is the thing I really like. And uh, here's a couple of different examples. So for me, the, the authenticity here comes, uh, this is kind of a passion area for me personally, um, is in finding more authentic data for students to play with. And so here's some crazy examples. And these are like throwaway examples, all right? I mean, I, these are things I've done or I know people have done, but I'm just going to like bounce through them. So a typical experiment you might do is testing the pH of things. You, and there's ways you can do that, low, low tech or high tech with different ways of measuring pH. And you might choose, hey, let's do it different foods. Let's try orange juice, apple juice, pop, uh, you know, all the different things that are you can find in the kitchen. That's great. But... Um, Here's how, that's, you know, I, I do that, here we are kind of at the bottom of the authenticity scale. How do we go way up to the top of the authenticity scale? Here's the top of the authenticity scale. It's kids going out to their local waterway and monitoring pH there. And it's not just a one-time, let's measure the pH. It is mo truly monitoring the pH over time. And, and Ryan has a great example of a teacher at his school who has been doing this, and for years, I mean, I went to that school, for years, we'd go and you'd do the, the field trip, you know what I'm saying? But it's truly become a, a part of the curriculums and a responsibility of the class each year to say, this is our ongoing project to monitor the health of this ecosystem, and a part of that is collecting that data. Okay, here's another base of the base of the activity. We're going to learn about different landforms. Let's learn about different kinds of geology, geography features. Let's make a cool, you know, picture set this thing. This looks cool. You can make a nice little flip chart of the different features. Hey, that's great. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. But I'm going to say, if you want to move way up the authenticity chart, what if I introduce these features to students, and then I say, hey, look, guys, here's this thing. It's called Google Earth. Why don't you see if you can find these features on there? Right? Have fun. And, and oh, wait, here's this thing called Google Mars and Google Moon where we have unbelievable, this is the same data that astronomers use. I mean, this is the exact same data. It's unbelievable. Um, and look way up there on the left-hand side. This is Google Mars. Look at that. Mountains, canyons, dunes, craters, ridges, plains. Right? It's all there for them to explore. Why not? They absolutely can. I, by the way, give an assignment to my college astronomy students, which is go on here and find these features, take a screenshot of them, and upload them to me. Um, have any of you ever seen one of these before? Tim has. Nobody else? I thought maybe this would be more familiar. These only exist in physics labs, like classrooms. All right? So, like, you might see these in a middle school physical science teacher's room. They'll have one. If you go in a high school physics classroom, which is what I'm sure I teach, you'll find a set of them for the classroom. And this is the tool that students use to understand motion. So think about Newton's laws of motion, or a one that's often you will fire memories from, probably bad memories from way back, of like distance equals rate times time, okay? This is the tool that they use to like measure and collect data. And it's amazing to me that most of you have never even seen it before. <laughs> that's how students come in. And after you've seen it, you'll never see it again the rest of your life, okay? <laughs> There's no scientist who uses one of these. It only exists for the teaching of one specific thing. And by the way, it costs hundreds of dollars, which is insane. Um, but if you're interested in teaching, so no one here clearly is interested in teaching this concept. <laughs> <laughs> but if you were, I'm so to show you because I think it's cool. If you were, you could do an approach like this. 
um, which I teach online, so I had to come up with like, people, kids don't have those at home. Why not take some videos of real motion in real life, like someone pushing a car with a certain amount of force, because I'm pushing on a scale over a certain amount of time, right? And now we can do the same sorts of calculations and the same concept, but we have, instead of trying to find the mass of this weird cart, you know, that no one's ever seen before, we can find the mass of a real car. Or, why not look at truly authentic motion, like video games, right? There is uh, limitless potential when it comes to analyzing the uh, math or science of video games, another personal passion area. I just want to give this as a shout out. So I, did, I, I, I primarily teach online, so I have very little credibility for the classroom, to throw that out there and be honest. But when I did teach face-to-face -face for a couple of years, this was like my passion. It was like getting kids to do real science research. And when you put real data in kids' hands, they can do amazing things. So I had three of my students discover new asteroids, like literally new asteroids that had never been found before um, as part of a class project. These students, we did, we did uh, research on a... Uh, we, we designed an experiment which I flew on a zero-gravity airplane, you know these airplanes that dive and you get to float inside, and we put a poster and presented it at a national conference. And these students, we, uh, we went to an observatory in Arizona and we collected data on, uh, for, through a real professional telescope, and they published this paper which was published in, a, it was a, a journal made for students, but it was a peer-reviewed journal. Um, and, you know, I did a lot of this work, I'm not going to lie. You know, I was like the parent helping with the science. <laughs> but these kids had, like, authentic science experiences. Um, and I think it, it ultimately comes back to putting real data in kids' hands. <coughs> so with foreign language, um, this is an older example from our, our school at South Christian. We recently moved, so this is our old building is that uh, South Christian has formed a relationship with Bethany Christian Services. And there's often students there who are learning English and who are, are native Spanish speakers. And then our foreign language, which is primarily Spanish, where students are native English and learning Spanish. And what we, uh, I'm sorry, I can't say we, what the teacher decided to do was to have a Christmas gathering. And so what the students were in charge of doing, again, this is part of the purpose, part of looking ahead, is that they were in charge of preparing authentic Mexican meals, preparing good conversations around the tables, being able to welcome and practice hospitality, to be able to make people feel welcome and then to speak in Spanish. They can practice conversational Spanish, which is real, authentic, and then also to be able to have people feel welcomed and, and valued. This is something that has continued for three or four years now. So now with our, our newer building, we have uh, the Bethany Christian students come and take a tour of the building. Or we had a, uh, I think a pumpkin drawing time. We don't carve at schools. We don't want to be nice. We, we draw on the gourds. We draw on the gourds. And the students are practicing Spanish. And they're building community. I think a very important virtue for them, part of this authentic learning, is learning the art of hospitality. And be able to see that our neighbors don't look like us is a very valuable and important thing to be able to, to recognize as well. Sweet. So thinking of the, the brainstorms. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so right. So this is the time where we'd like you guys and all of us to take some time to sort of because we didn't get um, to... Here's, here's the thought. The thought is... Maybe you have this thing you do with your students, and it's way up here on, this, on the authentic scale, and you just want to tell everybody about it. That's great. We'd love to hear about it. They always have ideas, among others of us here. Maybe you have this project that you know has potential to move up that hierarchy, and you'd like a chance to just offer that up and solicit feedback from everybody here. That's what this time is for. Um, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe, if I can yeah. jump on here, maybe think of a lesson or a unit and it's like, hey, potentially, right? Uh, or maybe some ideas where you can say, well, let's just, just figure this out. So we're hoping that we can be able to collaborate together, make it kind of like a workshop, and then just chat. And if you're like, no, I don't have anything, and it's like this awkward silence, we're going to use our time, I'm sure there's other stories that we can be able to, to tell as well. Yeah, so, so if you don't want to hear us talk, continue to talk, you better. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
So if anyone, please uh, jump in, chime in, share. I just did a government agent. I'm sorry, what's your name and grade? I, well, I'm Laura Westerberg. Um, I teach 5th and 6th history and 7th and 8th history. So we have to cover in 7th and 8th. It's kind of a split, so I teach half of one year and half of it. So if you have to come in on an odd year, you don't have the information to get up there. But we were studying government, so I had the kids actually write to one of the representatives. Mm -hmm. And I was amazed, absolutely amazed. They didn't get just two or three paragraphs. They got letters mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. And then they could see how all the puzzle pieces worked together. Mm -hmm. And I had the, and we actually worked with the English teacher because she had to do persuasive. Mm -hmm. And they picked a topic that they wanted this um, legislator to talk back to them about. Mm -hmm. But now I'm kind of running stuck. I've got a Civil War unit coming up. Okay. It's harder to write letters to the Civil War unit. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to, you know, I don't want it to be the normal stuff. Okay. I would actually want them to learn the battles without me actually giving the notes and just going through the motions. So I can kind of tell you where I'm at. Yeah. I was thinking something foldable. Okay. And I was thinking, well, what better way than to take a trip? Mm -hmm. And then I don't know. I was thinking like bus tickets to get to each destination. I just don't know. Where oh, to go. What were you saying? Sorry. You said some type of road trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I see. The distance that they had to cover. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's not just something that you're. These are real places. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That, that's what um, I was trying to get them to think about. Yeah. There are a couple things that I thought. Of. I remember, I'm, I'm from Green Rapids, okay. and I remember reading about the Civil War soldiers when they were mustered up. There was a, an old newspaper article that I found, of, and it said there was a parade as they were walking up Plank Road, and Plank Road is what we in Grand Rapids now called Division Avenue. Mm -hmm. And and it started what at what is now called 68th Street, which is literally a block away from our campus. Okay. And so to bring them there and to say, just imagine 160 years ago, and the soldiers walking right past, you know, and that, that makes it they're they're actually looking at the same literal space, you know. Um, that's that's one thought that, that just came to mind. And then with the mini Spartans, so it's not like they have to drive more. Than right. Five exactly. I mean, the Civil War soldiers were mustered from everywhere. Everywhere. You know. And then to to connect it authentically, consider places where there is the same kind of polarization that there was between the North and the South back then, and helping students to think, how can we as Christians be reconcilers? Mm. The currents today, you know? Yeah. You can yeah. tie into yeah. current events. Because that's why we study history, right? right? That's right. You like? Just that, that realization that the word Revolutionary War and Civil War, those are not specific to the United States. Those are adjectives. And there are revolutionary wars around the world constantly, and there are civil wars around the world all the time. This is one specific one that we have a little tie to. Yeah. Well, I did notice, see, before I took my, this job the last year or two, I used to work for the um, township. And up in our cemetery in Martin was one, one that was at there with Jefferson Davis. Oh, wow. And it's actually written on it. And I thought that would be cool for them to see that, you know, it, we were they were coming from all over. What part? Because we do have to put a part of Michigan history back, you know, in the seventh and eighth grade curriculum as well. We have a, we're from Wisconsin, and there's a Revolutionary War veteran burial just a mile from where both of us live. Wow. And just the fact, Revolutionary War, so go back, you know, and what was going on in this part of the world when this guy died here. And I, we as a class, and I've done the research, but I have them research online and see if they can find this guy. And he actually served um, his siblings, his brothers, 
uh, terms in the military and kept going back in, and we have followed his the where he was stationed in the Revolutionary War, and now he's buried right here. That reminds me that we have a in our family have a, a great great something who's uh, you know was in the Civil War, and I, another brother has just gotten super passionate about that, found his diary and all kinds of stuff, and created a map of the places he had gone um, and traced over. And I, I bet your students, if they started asking around their family, would have you might find an ancestor or two who were in the Civil War. Well, buying horse in the Grand Republic, yeah. Indiana. Wow. Oh, wow. I've got a picture of his mother. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. because then you see how far it's gone. It's kind of changed a little bit, or yeah. kind of like use that as your model. Yeah. Yeah. Add places along the way. Yeah. Thank you. That's cool. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. So I'm thinking brainstorm with you on that. Yeah. Are there other ones you want to throw to the room? Your aphorisms. Um, you had two of our lunch ladies this fall have had major surgery, major mm. health issues. And so when we were doing figurative language with my fifth graders, uh, we looked at puns with food. And they, <laughs> they made honey well cards oh for goodness. their lunch ladies. Do you have a so, um, uh, Get butter soon. We've oh, <laughs> uh, been praying for you oh, in latte. Please know we're praying for you. You know, it, it goes, and they, nobody could do the same one as anybody else. Yes. They're 26 kids, so nice. they, they could do the same one for each lunch lady if yeah. they wanted. But yes, it, and there are a handful of kids that have no clue what a pun is now, and <laughs> wrote horrible cards with just food references, but the majority of the class got it, and they're like, you know? Oh, oh. So. No, 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 just from all of but we did not go there. But we looked at puns and gave them a bunch of examples, and then they all got an iPad or a Chromebook and have at it. And, and the, the assignment was it had to be somehow connected to food, and it had to be encouraging. Um, so some of them, they had to, like, there was one, I can't remember, it was something about you better back off or something. And so one kid, you better back off cancer because I'm coming for you, something. And so just, yeah, they were tweaking them and... Did you get any feedback after? Uh, they are still on my desk. We okay. just did this. <laughs> they have to get set, and they're gonna. A little note is gonna go with them explaining yes. Oh, that's gonna be helpful. Yeah. yeah I instigated this. <laughs> <laughs> the lunch ladies know me too. So. <laughs> they will get it. <laughs> and hopefully, your students get to hear back from the lunch ladies. Yeah. And they hear yeah. about how that went, and that's where I think that cements the learning. Mm -hmm. Them to see the impact that they get to have. And I'm sorry, but those kids may, it, I'm just like so struck by this possibility. One of your students may someday write cards. That might be your job. Like yeah. the idea that these things are somehow superfluous to their learning. It's like, I think it's exciting just because like who knows what, how these things are going to cycle back. Mm -hmm. And just besides just making every day more fun at school. Absolutely. We did, um, I took up taking agriculture for Sixth graders. So just intro. Name and, and oh, sorry. Renee and Isaac. Some married brothers. Yeah. Um, teaching school. We love farm sex. They go from Mrs. Van Heisen to Mrs. Van Heisen in middle school. Because you grew up in California, but you married a farmer. Yes, you were able to teach agriculture. We both did. Yeah. But anyway, so last year, the sixth graders, just to wrap it up, they talked about soils and we talked about. Regions of the country and what, why geography, all that plays into. Um, and then I just want to get them out there. So we have a far, uh, potato business that you know these people associate with our school. Um, but we have a, a nursery, what do they call it? Produce business and a greenhouse. Greenhouse. And so we wanted to go there. They show us the technology involved in just arranging flowers. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but then they, it was the owner's idea who supports our school. Um, to let the kids pot their own plants, mm -hmm. talking about those colors, how to arrange it, but then extend that, um, where she gave them each two pots, and she donated and put it out there that these kids' pots were going to be sold, mm -hmm. and then $10 from each pot was going to go to something. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a teacher with cancer who has taught them music, mm -hmm. and 
that was the one thing they wanted to, to go. Mm -hmm. Wanted to have a weekend away because she's going through treatments. Mm -hmm. um, and so then it got into Facebook, got into the community, and then all grandmas come in to buy my Yes, so the kids made the pots they made the the pots and left them there. <coughs> and people had to come to the business With their name on a little right. sticker or tag. Mm -hmm. and so it became a community to support mm. that family as I enjoy hearing the stories where, where the school starts with an idea and then it changes the community and culture. And I feel that with Christian education, that's really where we need to be as, as teachers, is these change agents. And what we teach, no matter what it is, we're able to inspire the students for something greater. And to know that the work they do now is kingdom building work. And they can put on these biblical practices that through our content, so we'll be able to change not just themselves, along with us, but the community and the world as well. So this is exciting. Well, it was the same class that you had the year before. Oh, That's a tearjerker, but <laughs> they already had a heart for... Mm -hmm. uh, so I had 29 sixth grade, or fifth graders, and um, I had a doctor's appointment in January, and the nurse helping me broke all kinds of HIPAA laws. <laughs> And basically said, oh, you teach at that school? I spend a lot of time across the street. And I said, oh, what do you, you know, do you go to the church there? No, 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 my friend's daughter is dying of cancer. And when I stand in my classroom and look out the window, I look at a particular house that I had seen hospital beds and pharmacy cars at regularly being delivered. And I said, I know that house. I know, you know, something's going on there. And this nurse that has a really long connection to me, <laughs> like we know people in common, said, well, her name is Danielle, and she's 32, and she's mentally disabled, about the age of a five-year-old, and she's in stage four cancer. Um, so that was on my heart. So the next day at school, I said to my kids, we need to pray, because they had noticed, too, that there's constantly medical, you know, the pharmacy car is rather bright and colorful, and it's always in the driveway. Um, so we decided we don't know these people, but we can't do nothing. So we made a couple of giant posters that said, Danielle, we're praying for you. And we just taped them inside our classroom window. Wow. And a few days later, here comes the hospice nurse and mom and Danielle in a wheelchair. And Danielle, in her handwriting, had written, thank you for your prayers, and taped it to the outside of our window while we were sitting in class. So we go out and meet, and it's not a fam it's a family that I learned later actually hated our school and hated Christianity and the fact that we were there and noisy and present. Uh, at the time, didn't know all this, thankfully. <laughs> but... Um, I started, my kids wanted to go over and meet her and spend time with her. Um, so we, I started taking 10 kids at a time at recess. So we're not missing class time, it was right across the road, and we would go and walk into the house, and this is a pretty small sheltered community, so the house smelled like smoke and looked, you know, it was not the homes that these kids are coming from, so just that was awkward. Um, and mom was extremely receptive, but we'd come with 10 kids, and Danielle would show us her baby doll and her blankie, and it ended up that from January until May, um, it started with just 10 kids, then we started going, all 29 would go, we'd go, we were going probably three days a week, we always went at the same time, um, we were also studying human body at that time. So when she went into kidney failure, why is she going to look different today than she did two days ago? Oh, yeah, her sponges aren't squeezing out all of the liquid in her body. You know, her kidneys aren't working. Um, they constantly made cards for her, and then she loved singing, so we'd go sing with her. Um, ended up that... At the time that we were organizing a fundraiser um, and doing all the math stuff with that, um, she was at the end of her life, and she had been um, non-responsive for about 24 hours, but at 10 o'clock every day, my class came, and this was always recess time. We have a 20-minute recess in the morning, and we take about 30 minutes. Um, we went over there and sang to her, knowing she was near the end of her life, and she opened her eyes and tried to sing with us. 
and we went back to our classroom, and within the next half hour, Aunt was in our classroom to tell us that she had passed on. Um, but a few weeks before that, Mom had said to us, Danielle is really scared of dying. And my kids had taken that back to the classroom and said, she can't be scared. She's going to meet the Lord. And they had created all kinds of things. And her room, she had a, the basement was where she was. Uh, the walls were plastered with my kids' stuff, and then they started making 3D things to hang down from the ceiling because they had covered all the wall space. And um, and we didn't realize it at the time, but Mom's stepfather was dying of cancer, and she was videoing our singing and our gift, our paper gifts, and sending them to her stepfather who lived a couple hours away. So he was benefiting from it, and it ended up that we took a field trip to her funeral. <laughs> we spent a day at her funeral, um, sang at the funeral, and then at the meal afterwards got asked to sing again. And so there's 29 kids in our school now who have this heart and who we, you know, we would, we talked about embalming, we talked about what's happening at the funeral home, what's going on with her body. Um, just, I don't shy away from any of that. If they're gonna ask, I'm willing to share. So we, yeah, we looked at the biggest more thing was, was that that family came to the Lord. Yeah. Mm. And that mom now attends everything at our school. She yeah, she showed up at the greenhouse to support the yes. kids. Yes, the stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so, and there's a few kids in the class, like I'll look out the window after school, and if there's a soccer game at 5 o'clock, I'll see three of those girls playing with the dog and running in the yard at Danielle's house with Danielle's mom while they're waiting for soccer or whatever. Um, yeah, so something that I could not have planned, and it got out to radio stations and newspapers and stuff, um, and people kept saying, wow, you couldn't have planned this. And I said, um, our school is planning this right now. Uh, at the time that we were doing this, the Christian home was being built literally across the road on the other side of our school. So now my, I take my class every two or three weeks to the Christian home, and we do... The Christian Home opened last January, so we went for part of the year last year. This year, we're in the middle of a project where my students are paired with residents. Mm -hmm. um, they are currently generating questions that they're going to ask to interview, mm -hmm. um, and we have plans for an art project, uh, four major events in their life, like kind of designing yeah. a window pane. Yeah. Um, they're going to do some writing with it. They, we've already started talking about human body stuff because how can their knuckles can't pick up the dice when we're playing bunko? Um, how come he can't talk? We did a whole thing on Alzheimer's because one of the residents tells my kids she's 20 years old and she really likes it. <laughs> so, so we looked at Alzheimer's and the brain and so just this <laughs> So can I ask, I mean, I think this is amazing. Thank you for sharing this story. Can I ask, like, I'm kind of curious what other people think of, like, it, some of these are just such unique opportunities. It takes the right noticing and the right. This one was, yeah, the absolutely. Christian home, absolutely. But yeah. And so I guess I'm kind of curious if there, if you like the culture of the school that you're at, um, if you feel freedom as a teacher, um, or that your administration has encouraged pursuing this kind of thing, even if it means you might not get to the same. You, maybe that's the parents giving a certain kind of pressure. I guess I'm just kind of curious if people feel like they can pursue those opportunities. Does anyone have any? I, yeah, I feel like we have that freedom to be a people that are listening for the students to, okay, let's learn about Alzheimer's. You know? I mean, those... I think that's, I, I love that you bring that up because those are the things where the kids are intrinsically already interested. And then you are turning into somebody that says, Let's, I, I'd like to learn alongside of you. And, and having those authentic um, needs that you can help, help them to realize the body is so good. Has anyone found themselves in a experience? Like, this is kind of a horrible question to ask when you're at a conference. People probably know what school you're at, but have you ever had your hands slapped? Has that ever happened? It, you know, for pursuing anything beyond the norm? 
I got I got slammed with something like that last year. <laughs> Did you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. By a parent? Or? By a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was it what? Yeah, usually the school. It's not usually the school, but we were learning nervous system, and uh, one of the things that um, I had students um, doing was, I want you to find somebody who has been through a difficult situation or is suffering from um, a mental illness or a neurological disorder. Interview them and ask them how they see God in their story. Um, and then do research on what that was. And then the owl that I gave was, if you can't find anyone, I'm your person. Because I've definitely got things that I can talk about. Um, and one said, one family that was too close. Oh, yeah. And they, they really, it was very hurtful. Yeah, wow. And so that's that's the tough part, right? Yeah. But when you're doing the things that you know are the best things for these kids, sometimes it's it's going to yeah, it's going to bite back a little bit. Yeah. It's good to take those risks though. And I it, because yeah. of hearing the stories, the the value outweighs the risk. As we come to kind of come full circle and lead into our, our closing here, I'm wondering if I'm able to show you uh, this. Uh, I'm pretty influenced by Ron Berger, uh, which is, uh, I think, a benefit to look at the hierarchy of engagement. And when we're able, we're able to move up that level of engagement, I believe what we're able to do is to have students have more of that buy-in, take more ownership as you share and take those risks, as you shared, Tim. In this quote here, any time you make the work public, set the buy hard and transparent about the steps that make high-quality product, kids will deliver. I feel that's what we heard today. Our students will step up, and they crave it. They may not have the words for it yet, but I think they crave it. My fifth graders the next year came in and said, who's dying this year? <laughs> cheerleaders. We want to celebrate with you. We want to collaborate with you. We want to share ideas. Uh, if you'd like to, you're invited to uh, either one of us. Uh, we'd be more than happy to, uh, to continue to I should give a shout out. You know, Ryan and Tim, they're part of the same school system, have been going through this Teaching for Transformation, um, which you've probably heard about around, um, which I think has been a great framework for a whole school to be pushing each other and supporting each other as they do this kind of stuff. So they're especially great resources as you say, how do we do this as a system of teachers? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your stories. Thanks for tolerating us. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely.